Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. chapter 3, beginning of verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, 
and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. St. Mark, the third chapter. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end is come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry up all his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because, because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
The text for the message comes from our first reading from the, God, from the Old Testament, from Genesis 3. Let's pray. O oh God, you are relentless in pursuing us, even when we sin and we are thankful for your love and your presence in our lives. Bless us as we come to you today and as we gather. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our, of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's a question that can mean a lot of different things depending on the situation, right? Where are you? Uh, to the parent who took their eyes off their child for just less than a second, and, and in that moment, they're gone. Uh, and, and then that, that question betrays some fear, right? And, and worry all wrapped up into one. Uh, maybe it's someone that lost track of a friend in a crowd because you, know, you don't want to be lost. You don't want to be separated. Or maybe it's the, that frantic parent who, uh, when a child doesn't come home when they're supposed to, right? And they begin thinking the worst, where are you? Or maybe it's the, the air traffic controller who, who's trying to locate that plane that was there on the screen for one moment, but now they're missing. It's a, uh, there's the worry that it's more than just a radar malfunction, right? Or maybe it's the person who called a loved one while they're traveling. Uh, they just want to know where they are, right? Uh, and how far they are from home, if there are any problems. That evening, they, Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hid from him among the trees. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? See, that question, where are you, is, is not a new question. Now, the very first question that we have recorded in Scripture in Genesis is from Satan, right? Questioning, really, uh, God, actually, and said, you know, did God really say? Now, this question is really the first question in Scripture uh, recorded as, as having been spoken by God. It was voiced in the Garden of Eden, right after the first question. Uh, the first question was a question of deceit. Uh, Eve had been challenged by the serpent with that question. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, she fumbled her answer to that response, uh, that question, and in the next moment, she found that she had disobeyed God's clear command, encouraged Adam to do the same, and then they heard God approaching, walking in the garden. And so they hide from God, from God among the trees of the garden. You know, when we do something that harms that relationship with another person, well, whatever we have said, whatever we have done, uh, really destroys that or hurts that connection that we have with that other person. And it's really no different than uh, to our relationship with God, is it? I mean, sin, what does it do? It separates us from God. In the case of Adam and Eve, it destroyed a, a special relationship that they had with God. I mean, they knew that their action of eating that fruit had been in direct opposition to what God had commanded, and they, they dared to think that they were greater than God. I mean, think of all the things that they had. They had walked with God. They had talked with him. They had, uh, God had given them this good song to sing in the chorus of the opening of creation, and they, they joyfully played that role. Uh, Adam named the animals. They had shared the care of God's world. They, they knew the Lord as no one since. Hiding fear and shame, it was unknown to them. 
But now, it's all different. In their sin, there's this oppressive darkness that settles over them. They, they, they flee from God like, a, like frightened mice. No longer do they run out of meet it, to meet him. No longer do they feel comfortable with him. Instead, they run and hide. And it's at this point we see something of the uniqueness of God. He's still a loving father. He's searching for his children. He's still a loving father who calls out with a great deal of longing for those that, that are lost. And he's still a loving father who goes out after them. God came to the garden not looking to punish, but coming to help, looking to help them in their predicament. You know, we can think of God as a devoted father who would do anything for his children. I mean, because he knows what has happened. He knows that the action of his children has hurt them more than they know, and he wants to help them. For that father, that's a reflective action, right? Uh, you know, just any father, right? If, if uh, When any of your children are hurting or in danger, love demands that you do something about it, doesn't it? I mean, say your child is uh, out on the road and a truck is heading down the street there, they're playing there, having a good old time. The father doesn't stop and wonder, hmm, I wonder if I should do something about this. <laughs> no, right? The father, because of his love, the, the father swings into action to, to care for his child. And that day in the garden, this reflex, re, reflex action of God urged him to call out to his children in trouble, asking, where are you? And you know, God is not giving, given up calling out to us today. When we read scripture, we see just how far God is prepared to go to call all people back out of their sinfulness into that relationship with him. And one thing's for sure, God's not happy, right, that people are hiding from him and that their relationship with him is anything but friendly and harmonious. But God keeps calling out to our world because we, we have this, we've developed this devious ability to hide from God. People hide all the time, hide in their business, hide in their work, they hide with their children, they hide uh, in their homes. People hide in their own cleverness, right, thinking they don't need God, they can do everything themselves. Some people hide by saying, well, what God and the church has to offer, well, that's just irrelevant today. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me, it doesn't give me the buzz that I want, and so it's not worth, it, worth wasting my time on God and the church. Even we who have been in the church most of our lives, uh, all or most of our lives, who know God well, this can have a, we, we have this constant urge to, within us to run away from God. Because it's guilt that makes us want to run and hide. And you remember the Old Testament reading last week? That celebration of the Holy Trinity, it, it ushered us into the throne room of God with Isaiah, and Isaiah found himself in the presence of God, sitting on his throne, high and exalted, uh, with all the heavenly creatures and angels shouting God's praises. Isaiah's immediate response to the, was an awareness of his sin, his guilt, his unworthiness, and it led him to fall on the floor. You know, the Gospels tell us that Peter became deeply aware of his guilt, too, and fell to his knees and cried. 
Paul tells us of all uh, that, uh, that, that he did things that he knew he shouldn't do and, and stated how miserable it made him feel. But don't we find ourselves in that same uh, situation? Maybe it's we've realized how badly we've handled dis disagreement. Maybe regretting the words that we have said and the actions that we have taken and it gets us filled up with so much shame and, and okay, uh, if we don't physically hide, what do we do? We, we, we withdraw. We get quiet. We lock ourselves away. Or maybe we're challenged by God's word to live our lives for him. And by that mean, that means doing things differently than the world and differently from uh, perhaps our friends. And so we make excuses knowing that that's the easy way out. Or maybe we see someone that is in need and, and we know that uh, we're able to help, but, but we don't. And we got all kinds of reasons why we can't help, right? Uh, and as we reflect on Jesus' words about caring for others, uh, that shame fills us and that guilt and we feel like we've let Jesus down. And so we want to hide. At that moment, we join Adam and Eve, don't we? In shame, hiding in the trees from God. When sin causes us to feel separated from God, there's this barrier between God and us, and God comes calling out to us, just as he did in the Garden of Eden, because God doesn't want to let go of a single soul. He doesn't mind how many times uh, he has to come calling to us. He wants to give us as many chance, second, third, or third, or fourth chances that we need to receive that grace and forgiveness. And so he keeps coming back again and again, calling out, where are you? Where are you? Because he wants us as his own. He wants us to remain as his people, and he wants to be our God. That question called out in the garden echoed throughout history, hasn't it? Question that was that uh, that question was called out by God in the flesh. The Son of God, born of Mary, entering human history, came calling to the people of this world to repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where are you? Calling people back to the Father's love. And it is at the foot of the cross where we meet the gracious God who forgives. There at the cross, our lives that were previously hidden in sin are now hidden in Christ. With lives that are full and free and free from sin, free from death, free to live in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes this. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that, that connecting that, that relationship again, changing us basically from his enemies into his friends. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Notice that Paul gives the results of Jesus' death. We're changed, right? Reconciled. We are no longer God's enemies. Now we are God's friends. Where are you? Author by the name of Mary Sutherland wrote uh, in, in one of her books, wrote this. She said, 
When our son Jared was a little boy, we were careful to teach him our phone number and address in case he was ever lost. One night, he and his dad went for a before-bedtime walk, and after a few minutes of silence, Dan decided to test Jared's knowledge of where he lived. Dan asked, how far are we from home? And Jared answered, Dad, I don't know. Try it again. He said, well, where are you? Again, Jared answered, I, I don't know. Then Dad sort of chuckled and said, well, son, it sounds to me like you're lost. <laughs> and then Jared grinned and looked up at his father and responded saying, nope, I can't be lost. I'm with you. <laughs> where are you? My friends in Christ, our Father does not want us to lurk and hide in the shadows, hiding from him because we have sinned. Because of Jesus Christ, God searches us out. He happily changes us from his enemies into his friends and reassures us of, of forgiveness and that continual love and support in our daily lives. We're with the Father. You can't be lost. Where are you? You are found in Christ. On a hillside out of Jerusalem, Jesus is forsaken on the cross. He carries that, that full weight of our sins and the sins of the whole world. It all falls upon his shoulders and we're forgiven. We come here to worship and we, we celebrate Holy Communion. We hear those words, your sins are forgiven. And we take into our hands the very body and blood of Jesus as we eat the bread and drink from the cup in Holy Communion. At his table, we stand in awe of what God has done for us to break down those walls of sin and hostility, enabling us to be friends with him again. And we gather here. We come to this house of worship and our loving God seeks us out. Just as he went looking for Adam and Eve, where are you? He knows exactly where you are, doesn't he? You're caught up in your sin. You're separated from him. Thanks be to God for his unwavering passion, his unquenchable love, his, his unending mercy, his constant forgiveness, his abiding presence. Where are you? You're right here. You're right here with your heavenly father and he has made you his friend. Thanks be to God. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. 
and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.